It's a lovely day, isn't it? It is. Do you see what's happening? My situation is near impossible. It's all happiness and contentment. Mm, yeah, it is due in part to the lull in their European war. Mum, I think I'll take a stroll around the lake. All right, John. I'll stay here. <laughs> quick, 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 quick. Oh, look at that. I'll be back in a little while. Where is Globos? She shouldn't leave the mother alone to enjoy herself. She's hiding behind the moss on that oak tree. <sighs> Let's follow your patient around the lake. Hmm? An opportunity may come to spoil his walk. <laughs> Meanwhile, we will consider our overall strategy. Oh, I, I do detest these days of rest and relaxation. Though if it fattens them up for us. Oh, well, yes, there is that. But I am not surprised that there is a corresponding lull in this war of theirs and your patient's anxieties. Do we want to encourage this? Or to keep him worried? Um, <clears throat> encourage it. No, no, keep him worried. Um, I don't know. Tortured fear and stupid confidence are both desirable states of mind. Our choice between them raises important questions. W what kinds of questions? Well, the humans live in time, but our enemy destines them to eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things. To eternity itself, and to that point in time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. Of the present moment, and of it only, humans have an experience analogous to the experience which our enemy has of reality as a whole. In it alone, freedom and Actuality are offered to them. He would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him, or with the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. Must you be so descriptive? <laughs> you must understand and deeply despise the disgusting nature of his activities. So our business is to get them away from the eternal and from the present. With this in view, we sometimes tempt a human, say a, a widow or a scholar, to live in the past. But this is of limited value, for they have some real knowledge of the past, and it has a determinate nature, and to that extent resembles eternity. It is far better to make them live in the future. Why the future? Principally because biological necessity makes all their passions point in that direction already, so that thought about the future inflames hope and fear, and also it is unknown to them, so in making them think about it, we make them think of unrealities. In a word, the future is, of all things, the thing least like eternity. Huh? It is the most completely temporal part of time, for the past is frozen and no longer flows, and the present is all lit up with eternal rays. 
Hence the encouragement we have given to all of those schemes of thought such as creative evolution, scientific humanism, or communism. It fixes men's affections on the future, on the very core of the temporary. That's why nearly all vices are rooted in the future. Gratitude looks to the past and love to the present. Fear, avarice, lust, and ambition look ahead. But surely the enemy wants men to think of the future too? Just so much as is necessary now for planning the acts of justice or charity, which will probably be their duty tomorrow. What, what does that leave us then? We want a man hag-ridden by the future. Haunted by visions of an imminent heaven or hell upon earth. Ready to break the enemy's commands in the present, if by so doing we can make him think he can attain the one or avert the other. This places his whole attention on the success or failure of schemes whose end he will not live to see. <laughs> How clever. We want a whole race perpetually in pursuit of the rainbow's end. Never honest, nor kind, nor happy now, but always using every real gift which is offered to them in the present as mere fuel to heap on the altar of their future. So, <clears throat> if I understand you correctly, it follows that, all things being equal, it's better for my patient to be filled with anxiety or hope about what might happen with this war than for him to be living in the present. But the phrase living in the present is ambiguous. It may describe a process which is really just as much concerned with the future as anxiety itself. Your man may be untroubled about the future not because he is concerned with the present, but because he has persuaded himself that the future is going to be agreeable. As long as that is the real source of his tranquility, his tranquility will do us good because it is only piling up more disappointment and therefore more impatience for him when his false hopes are dashed. If, on the other hand, he is aware that horrors may be in store for him and is praying for the virtues wherewith to meet them and meanwhile concerning himself with the present because there and there alone all duty, all grace, all knowledge and all pleasure dwell, his state is undesirable and should be attacked at once. Right. But to watch him now, it is most likely that he is living in the present because his health is good and he is enjoying his work. I should break it up if I were you. Why should the creature be happy? My sentiments exactly. Shall I have one of those ducks do something to him? Don't be such an amateur, Wormwood. 